Chapter Sixteen, Ivanhoe. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kristen Lemoyne, GreenKRI.com. Ivanhoe by Sir Walter Scott, Chapter Sixteen. Far in a wild unknown to public view, From youth to age a reverend hermit grew. The moss his bed, the cave his humble cell, His food the fruits, his drink the crystal well. Remote from man with God he passed his days, Prayer all his business, all his pleasure praise. The reader cannot have forgotten that the event of the tournament was decided by the exertions of an unknown knight, whom on account of the passive and indifferent conduct which he had manifested on the former part of the day, the spectators had entitled Le Noir Fernand. This knight had left the field abruptly when the victory was achieved, and when he was called upon to receive the reward of his valour he was nowhere to be found. In the meantime, while summoned by heralds and by trumpets, the knight was holding his course northward, avoiding all frequented paths, and taking the shortest road through the woodlands. He paused for the night at a small hostelry, lying out of the ordinary route, where, however, he obtained from a wandering minstrel news of the event of the tourney. On the next morning the knight departed early, with the intention of making a long journey. The condition of his horse, which he had carefully spared during the preceding morning, being such as enabled him to travel far without the necessity of much repose. Yet his purpose was baffled by the devious paths through which he rode, so that when evening closed upon him he only found himself on the frontiers of the west riding of Yorkshire. By this time both horse and man required refreshment, and it became necessary, moreover, to look out for some place in which they might spend the night, which was now fast approaching. The place where the traveller found himself seemed unpropitious for obtaining either shelter or refreshment, and he was likely to be reduced to the usual expedient of knights errant, who on such occasions turned their horses to graze and laid themselves down to meditate on their lady mistress, with an oak tree for a canopy but the black knight either had no mistress to meditate upon, or, being as indifferent in love as he seemed to be in war, was not sufficiently occupied by passionate reflections upon her beauty and cruelty to be able to parry the effects of fatigue and hunger, and suffer love to act as a substitute for the solid comforts of a bed and supper. He felt dissatisfied, therefore, when looking around he found himself deeply involved in woods, through which indeed there were many open glades, and some paths, but such as seemed only formed by the numerous herds of cattle which grazed in the forest, or by the animals of chase, and the hunters who made prey of them. The sun, by which the knight had chiefly directed his course, had now sunk behind the Derbyshire hills on his left and every effort which he might make to pursue his journey was as likely to lead him out of his road as to advance him on his route. After having in vain endeavoured to select the most beaten path, 
in hopes it might lead to the cottage of some herdsman or the sylvan lodge of a forester, and having repeatedly found himself totally unable to determine on a choice, the knight resolved to trust to the sagacity of his horse, experience having on former occasions made him acquainted with the wonderful talent possessed by these animals for extricating themselves and their riders on such emergencies. The good steed, grievously fatigued with so long a day's journey under a rider cased in mail, had no sooner found by the slackened reins that he was abandoned to his own guidance than he seemed to assume new strength and spirit, and whereas formerly he had scarce replied to the spur otherwise than by a groan, he now, as if proud of the confidence reposed in him, pricked up his ears, and assumed of his own accord a more lively motion. The path which the animal adopted rather turned off from the course pursued by the knight during the day, but as the horse seemed confident in his choice, the rider abandoned himself to his discretion. He was justified by the event, for the footpath soon after appeared a little wider and more worn, and the tinkle of a small bell gave the knight to understand that he was in the vicinity of some chapel or hermitage. Accordingly, he soon reached an open plat of turf, on the opposite side of which a rock, rising abruptly from a gently sloping plain, offered its grey and weather-beaten front to the traveller. Ivy mantled its sides in some places, and in others oaks and holly-bushes, whose roots found nourishment in the cliffs of the crag, waved over the precipices below like the plumage of the warrior over his steel helmet, giving grace to that whose chief expression was terror. At the bottom of the rock, and leaning, as it were, against it, was constructed a rude hut, built chiefly of the trunks of trees felled in the neighboring forest, and secured against the weather by having its crevices stuffed with moss mingled with clay. The stem of a young fir-tree lopped off its branches, with a piece of wood tied across near the top, was planted upright by the door as a rude emblem of the holy cross. At a little distance on the right hand, a fountain of the purest water trickled out of the rock, and was received in a hollow stone, which labor had formed into a rustic basin. Escaping from thence, the stream murmured down the descent by a channel which his course had long worn, and so wandered through the little plain to lose itself in the neighboring wood. Beside this fountain were the ruins of a very small chapel, of which the roof had partly fallen in. The building, when entire, had never been above sixteen feet long by twelve feet in breadth, and the roof, low in proportion, rested upon four concentric arches, which sprung from the four corners of the building, each supported upon a short and heavy pillar. The ribs of two of these arches remained, though the roof had fallen down betwixt them. Over the others it remained entire. The entrance to this ancient place of devotion was under a very low, round arch, ornamented by several courses of that zigzag moulding, resembling shark's teeth, which appears so often in the more ancient Saxon architecture. A belfry rose above the porch on four small pillars, within which hung the green and weather-beaten bell, the feeble sounds of which had been some time before heard by the black knight. The whole peaceful and quiet scene lay glimmering in twilight before the eyes of the traveller, giving him good assurance of lodging for the night. 
since it was a special duty of those hermits who dwelt in the woods to exercise hospitality towards benighted or bewildered passengers. Accordingly, the knight took no time to consider minutely the particulars which we have detailed, but, thanking St. Julian, the patron of travellers, who had sent him good harbourage, he leaped from his horse, and assailed the door of the hermitage with the butt of his lance, in order to arouse attention and gain admittance. It was some time before he obtained any answer, and the reply, when made, was unpropitious. "'Pass on, whosoever thou art,' was the answer given by a deep hoarse voice from within the hut, "'and disturb not the servant of God and St. Dunstan in his evening devotions.' "'Worthy father,' answered the knight, "'here is a poor wanderer bewildered in these woods, "'who gives thee the opportunity of exercising thy charity and hospitality.' "'Good brother,' replied the inhabitant of the hermitage, it has pleased Our Lady and St. Dunstan to destine me for the object of those virtues, instead of the exercise thereof. I have no provisions here which even a dog would share with me, and a horse of any tenderness of nurture would despise my couch. Pass therefore on thy way, and God speed thee. But how, replied the knight, is it possible for me to find my way through such a wood as this, when darkness is coming on? I pray you, reverend father, as you are a Christian, to undo your door, and at least point out to me thy road. And I pray you, good Christian brother, replied the anchorite, to disturb me no more. You have already interrupted one pater, two aves, and a credo, which I, miserable sinner that I am, should, according to my vow, have said before moonrise. The road, the road, vociferated the knight. Give me directions for the road, if I am to expect no more from thee. The road, replied the hermit, is easy to hit. The path from the wood leads to a morass, and from thence to a ford, which, as the rains have abated, may now be passable.